in a world that tells us that if you're not happy, you can just change your job, end your relationship, start a new one, have a baby, get a puppy or five. We are constantly facing change in the pursuit of happiness. And yet, deep down, we resist this so much because nobody teaches us how to navigate transitions. Well, I'm here to change that. Join me and my guests every week to find the inspiration and actionable steps to dive into your next great chapter. Let's write it together. Hello, everybody. This week, I have with me Basha Saranto. Hello? <laughs> I'm so sorry, Vasha. I try. Um, it's okay. She is the founder and CEO of Anti-Loneliness, where herself and her team of psychologists offer mental health services and online courses to promote inner peace, mental strength, and healthy relationships. Vasha, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for the invitation. I, I already feel that we're going to have a really good time during this interview. Indeed. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> And I would love to start the interview by you letting, letting us know how you got to this chapter in your life. All right. So if you can understand already from my last name, I'm Greek. Uh, and, uh, but, not, but I don't live in Greece. I live in the Netherlands. And I've been living in the Netherlands the last 10 years. And this is where I founded Anti-Loneliness. This is where I started my own company. Uh, and when I wanted to start my practice, I didn't want to give, you know, my name into my practice, like Vasya's counseling or Vasya's therapy, whatever. I wanted to find a mission behind it. So I was an expert living in the Netherlands, coming from Greece, experiencing, of course, loneliness because I'm an expert living in a, in a foreign country, but also, seeing all these clients coming in my office and experiencing mental health struggles and loneliness but still we were not talking about loneliness so what i figured out was that everybody experiences loneliness but we don't dare to talk about it there's a stigma and shame around it it means something really negative something really bad about us so that's, that was the moment where I said, okay, I'm going to name my practice anti-loneliness, which means that not only when somebody approaches, reaches out to a professional, mental health professional, they start feeling less lonely because they can share what they're struggling with, but also we're talking about the elephant in the room. Everybody's feeling lonely. Either you get a divorce, either you, you move to a new country or to a new job, or you are a single mother, single father. But loneliness is here in our life and we can never avoid it. So we have to start talking about it. So more or less, that's how I started, you know, the anti-loneliness practice. Uh, back then it was a solo practice. I was working by myself, but because I'm a big people pleaser and I cannot say no, <laughs> and when the, the practice was growing and I had more and more clients, I was like, okay, I cannot take them because the, the day has only 24 hours. I don't have any more hours available. Then I started growing the practice and then I have more and more psychologists working together with me now. So now we are about 15, 16 psychologists working in my team. And um, the last uh, sub-chapter of this chapter is that uh, wanting to help as many people as possible. I started the academy uh, where I host and I create online courses for people that they want even more tools for mental health, inner peace and strong relationships. So here I am. 
Amazing. I didn't realize we have a very parallel story as to the creation of our business because I was doing divorce coaching by myself just, and I didn't even start my career thinking that's what I'm going to do. But it was through that whole thing. People come to you asking for help and you're like, sure, I'll help. And then when COVID came and it was like, oh my goodness, we're going to have an avalanche of divorces. That's when I was like, I'm not going to be able to take care of all these people. And I started training others. That's why I created the Holistic Divorce Institute to train others. So we have an army of people that can help those who are feeling the effects. So I wonder if for you, the pandemic created a huge demand for your services and your team. Yes, yes, because people were spending even more time with themselves um, and, and we're doing a very good job with avoiding ourselves when we are working, overworking or being busy all the time. So during the pandemic, we couldn't escape that. So we had to stay with our own fears and uh, insecurities and worries. And that felt overwhelming. A lot of people were experiencing grief, you know, because their their relatives were sick or um, uh, yeah, they couldn't visit them at the hospital. Uh, they had to change their lives. They had to lose their jobs. So there was a lot of loneliness and, uh, and change happening. And if you haven't learned how to process change and how to communicate and and connect with people during these uh, very challenging times, it's very overwhelming. So for sure, there were people that they were reaching out even more than before. Mm. So how do you feel that people need to be supported when they're coming out to your team and saying, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling with these feelings of loneliness? Um, how do you guys start the process with them? Um, first of all, we try to create a safe place within themselves. Um, usually we tend to uh, dismiss our own feelings or dismiss our own needs. Um, there were many people where they were struggling with something, but then the moment that they realized that they were struggling, they would immediately invalidate themselves by saying, well, it's not that important or it's not that big. It's going to be fine. So that immediately takes us out of our personal experience and we don't have the capacity to deal with it or process it just because we minimized it or downplayed it. So what we learned to do initially is just create a pause, just to see what happened here, just to see what we're feeling, just to explore what's happening inside us. Uh, and, and of course, if somebody hasn't done that before, it feels very overwhelming or challenging. So we make sure that we make that into a safe place. If you stay here with your feelings, with yourself, it's fine. There's nothing wrong about that. All, feeling, all feelings are meant to be felt by by humans it's okay if you're feeling sad because you broke up it's okay if you're feeling angry because somebody overstepped your boundaries it's valid you have a very valid reason to do so and let's see when you process that and you understand that let's see how you're going to deal with that next do you think that the same way that you were saying at the beginning uh, we feel ashamed of the whole yes. term of loneliness because in reality there's nothing wrong with being alone i actually crave it it's my favorite way to recharge but it is true that there is that stigma attached to it of is it by choice or is it because I'm not likable enough so, so in the same way do you feel that when we're sitting with our emotions we are we don't want to do that because there's stigma with if I'm not feeling happy and bubbly like society tells us that we have to do all the time then there must be something wrong with us do you think that that's what's happening here there's also shame towards feeling those not so lovely states 
Absolutely, absolutely. And and think of, you know, uh, some cases where um, when we were children, we would cry or we would be upset. And as a response, we would hear something like, oh, come on, you're being too sensitive now. Eh? Or we would hear something like, oh, here's the drama queen now eh? and you're doing such a such a fuss about it. So we would be immediately be belittled because of our feelings even though other people didn't like them they didn't create space for them but then they made us feel problematic because of these feelings even though that's not the case mm, yeah and that's what we carry now into our adult years and exactly exactly okay. we're still carrying that feeling of either my feelings are a burden for somebody else or there's something wrong with me that I experience life in such an intense way. Um, or indeed, the other person doesn't have the capacity to deal with my feelings. For example, when you had a depressed mother or father or an alcoholic parent, you know, and they didn't have the capacity or the space for your feelings in a very pragmatic way. So you internalize that by feeling shame. Uh, and also guilt every time you spoke up about your feelings. Oh, here it is again, I'm imposing on somebody. Oh, here it is again, I'm becoming a burden. So these, are, these experiences, of course, we carry them uh, throughout our life until the moment that we start processing, it, processing them or until the moment that we realize that because of all this suppressing, we're paying a high price. We are, we are doing a job we don't enjoy just because every time we feel disappointed because of our work we just suppress the disappointment oh come on it's gonna be fine you know everybody is disappointed or every not everybody's happy with their work come on just move on uh we we stay in, in jobs that we don't enjoy we stay in relationships that we don't enjoy in friendships that we don't enjoy uh we don't practice the hobbies and the passions we have all these things happen which is the price we pay eventually because of all this suppressing we become lonely but in a very existential way because we have alienated from ourselves we don't know ourselves anymore who is this person <laughs> yeah yeah that to me feels more like a tragedy when when i hear about loneliness and how that can affect you negatively to me is, is more about well i don't want to have to pay the price of going out there if i don't even know myself so maybe th that will be like the antidote to the antidote to loneliness wouldn't be like oh i'm gonna be surrounded by people but i'm gonna first reconnect with myself right you're, exactly. you're shaking your head like no exactly no, no. yeah 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 because we um, we need to make the distinction between loneliness and being alone you can be alone without feeling lonely exactly what you said before this is my favorite time i recharge with myself huh? and you can also be surrounded by people and feel really really lonely and disconnected and ostracized even and not belonging in there so the physical proximity with people doesn't have to do necessarily with the feeling of loneliness the loneliness is something really deep and it it's uh, uh it's more about the connection that we feel with ourselves and with the outer world mm, i love that 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 is so interesting because coming from someone who i've always been an extrovert up until i went away to do my last year of university and i moved from spain to england and even though i thought that my english was good enough 
it wasn't. So I spent a whole year pretty much in isolation because I couldn't communicate with people. And that was really, really hard coming from someone that was so used to being with people. And I remember at first feeling really out of place and really like, oh my gosh, I can't be with myself. But eventually over time, it actually became my preferred state. Now it's more like now interacting with people for me is the distraction is, is how I don't deal with myself. Ah, interesting, interesting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, accepting who we are, accepting that we're not perfect, uh, accepting, you know, our journey, our transformation, the changes that we go through is, is part also of becoming friends with ourselves, mm. aka defeating loneliness. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I know you're working with people who are um, going through a divorce. And I remember when I was running a divorce support group, there was a lady, not a lady, actually, almost everybody who joined the group in the first meetings, they would say, I want to find myself now. I lost myself in this relationship and I want to find myself. And that was the first level of loneliness that they could experience. And it was very intense. Mm, yeah, that's, that's so interesting that you mentioned that because that's really what I feel divorce it's once again like the antidote is the solution to an identity crisis, especially yes. when you become a partner to someone, then you kind of lose a little part of your identity because you're a spouse to someone, especially if you are the woman in our society, you will become Mrs. Someone. Yeah. Um, if you then become a mother, then you lose another role to become something else. So yeah, I think that again, we, we, we think that the problem is the loneliness or the disconnection from people, but it, it starts mostly with ourselves, right? And with the programming that we bring from our childhood. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And, and, it, uh, and the, the change also lays in us. Huh? When we start looking inside us, when we start looking for answers inside rather than outside, as I said to one of my clients last week, I said, don't worry how you're going to change other people. You have to worry more about how you're going to change the thoughts you had about or you have about other people. So that's the most important, not how to change other people, because maybe they will never change. But what's more important is your mental health here. Mm. So with working with so many people, you yourself, your team, what are you seeing some repetitive patterns that you you want to tell come on humans let's get it together (laughs) this doesn't have to be so complicated yeah 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 i think you've seen already you know on my website and my instagram account i'm talking a lot about perfectionism and that has been the my passion the last few years i'm talking a lot about that because i figured out that everybody who was coming in my practice to talk about, you know, uh, uh, anxiety, depression, or burnout, I could see that there was one uh, mindset behind that that was sustaining or causing these mental health challenges, and that was perfectionism. So when I start talking to people about perfectionism, they say, you know, like, oh, no, I'm not perfectionist. I don't, you know, focus on details and, uh, you know, stuff like that. No, 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 but that's not it. Uh, it's not about being perfect. It's not about typos. It's not about this. Perfectionism is this negative, self-sabotaging and very stressful, overwhelmingly stressful mindset that whatever we do is not good enough. Whatever. So I remember one of the ladies that I was interviewing two, two uh, months ago, she said to me, I don't remember when was the last time that I felt proud of myself, even though I have achieved so much. I don't feel proud. So that's exactly perfectionism. You don't get this sense of fulfillment and an achievement 
even though you are unstoppable <laughs> you're doing so much you're working so hard and and practically sp speaking yes you are growing but then you don't it doesn't register you don't feel it i'm working mm -hmm. with people who have huge careers we're talking about professors in universities we're talking about phd candidates we're talking about doctors and the i mean this is what our our society you know knows that oh this is very difficult and yet, yet you achieved it but also other professionals that they have achieved a lot and when i confront them with that like but but you have achieved a lot right they feel like they haven't done anything important they feel like yeah psh, what what's that but that's not important anybody could have done it well <laughs> not anybody but that's the mindset of perfectionism and the more we think about ourselves like that the more we work the more we try and the faster we burn out or we suffer with anxiety depression even eating disorders are related with perfectionism because I'm not enough, because I'm, I'm, I will never be beautiful enough, because I don't like who I am. Again, the concept of shame there. Huh? Mm. And so what do you think that that's, that stems from? I think many, many uh, root causes for that. One is, of course, family. Of course, family. Uh, the way that we have been uh, seen, validated and uh, understood in our family. Uh, so I'm not saying that our parents, for example, they were mean people that they wanted to cause that to us, but in their own world, they wanted to make sure that you have high standards and you succeed, but they didn't realize that they inherited unrealistically high standards to us and this self-beating saying that I'm not enough, I'm not enough, I'm not enough. So very unintentionally they uh, inherited to us this perfectionistic mindset of course not to forget to mention school i was i was one that i was going in a school where all our teachers they made us believe that if you fail in school you fail in life and if you succeed in school you succeed in life and you understand <laughs> the stakes were really high we had to succeed and we had to be smart, but school smart, according to societies and school standards. Anybody who deviated from that smartness and they were good, for example, in music or art or in a different way, uh, uh, being smart and creative, and they were not smart in maths, algebra or history, for example, yeah, they actually cannot yeah, succeed a lot in their life. That's, that's how we see them. So society, school, all these social media uh, models of perfection, you see people how to achieve seven figures in three months. And you're like, what? <laughs> what is happening here? What's wrong with me? Why am I not making all this money? And what's, you know, again, what's wrong with me? That's what we, uh, we perceive the hustle mentality that you have to be busy all the time you have to be good in all your roles you have to be a good mother perfect mother mm. a perfect wife a perfect mm. manager a perfect boss perfect everything mm. otherwise you're failing mm. uh, we we were made to feel like lazy or again problematic if we rest so every time we're about to rest we feel guilty 
because I'm doing something wrong. I shouldn't be resting or I need to deserve my rest. So all these things, they're just, you know, some of the main uh, root causes of perfectionism. It's like the system is set up to create people who are going to be always dissatisfied and who are going to try and strive. And, and in that process, we just get more burnout. I was even listening to one of your um, Instagram posts where you were talking about maybe even it was the family dynamic. Maybe you had a sibling that was problematic and you felt like you had to overcompensate. So it's almost like it's so much easier to feel like you're not good enough. Therefore, how can I overcompensate for this than feeling like I'm a beautiful human being whether I produce or not. So how, how can we beat the system that is created almost to, or, or live within that system? What, what are you seeing that helps people? So uh, what I usually say is that once a perfectionist, always a perfectionist. <laughs> so it's really difficult to get rid of this mindset. And I understand of course why, but what I try to do through my programs and the online courses that we said before in my, in my academy, is to move somebody who has this perfectionistic, as a perfectionistic mindset from toxic perfectionism to healthy perfectionism. It's fine if you have this strive for excellence. It's fine if you wanna grow and progress in your life and you become really good, fantastic. How can we do that, but without you burning out? How can we do that, but without you feeling FOMO, you know, fear of missing out or fear of failure or any kind of fear that paralyzes you and, and gets you stuck. And, and while you want to, to proceed and to progress, you're just getting there stagnating and overwhelmed because of this fear. So how can we have that result, but without that cost? That's what I'm trying to do. And, and of course, all this is a, is a complicated, of course, and transformative uh, change in our mindset. So we don't only work with practical tips, like, for example, you know, just practice something out of your comfort zone, you know, per day, but we're trying to feel to reframe failure. We're trying to practice self-compassion, which is the antidote to shame. You are a perfect human being, imperfectly human, human, uh, human being, uh, imperfectly perfect, sorry, human being. Uh, even though you make mistakes, you know, that's what we mean with reframing failure and mistakes, working with self-compassion, working with self-acceptance. Uh, we're also trying to, uh, to work with a lot of cognitive strategies, emotional strategies. And all this is, of course, one step at a time. This is a very deeply rooted mindset. It doesn't change overnight. This is one step at a time. And eventually, a couple of you know months later, you start seeing how your life is more you know is more joyful, but you're also more present and not so much controlled by this perfectionistic mindset. Mm, I love hearing that. That it's it's a process. Uh, that's something that we have to remember. Very few things in life have one magic pill or one magic surgery, and then everything gets away, goes away. And especially because this is. Like I often say, we've never been given the manual on how to train our mind. And our mind, we think, is this thing that can run wild. But actually, there are systems that you can put in place to sort of direct those thoughts and, and turn them. Like, I, I love the, the initial reframe that you said. No, you can be perfectionist. Let's just make it healthy. So yes. again, you don't have to destroy your entire personality. We're just going to do it that it works to your advantage. I love that. 
Yeah, because the majority of the people that I work with, when I tell them, you know, like now we're, you're not going to be perfectionist, they feel that, oh my God, I'm going to lose my motivation. I'm going to lose my direction. And then uh, who is going to guide me to the next step? How am I going to learn if I don't beat myself up? Yeah. So, okay, yes, you can learn, but without the beating up. Let's do that. Yeah, it's almost like we know that we need that carrot in front of us to, to keep us going. And when you say like, no, we don't need a carrot. We're just going to do it from a place of motivation instead of fear. You're like, but will I move without a carrot? It's, it seems scary. Yeah, of course. yeah, 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 yeah. It seems scary indeed. Oh my gosh, Vasha. I love that you're doing this. I love that you created courses and that you are helping people move to the next chapter. That's, that's such an amazing um, contribution to the world. So I have the last two questions that I ask all of my guests that regard. The first one is where do you see yourself and your next great chapter for you, your academy, your clients? Uh, my next chapter? Well, um, I think during these last seven years, I have transitioned into a chapter that I've never envisioned before. So I started working as a therapist, but lately I realized how much I enjoy being a mental health educator, creating online courses, talking with even more people, uh, creating tips and tools that they are practical, but also sustainable. It's not a change only for a day, but also I'm talking about changes that will, will be there for you for the rest of your life. So I derive a lot of joy, you know, and, and uh, uh, satisfaction through this creative phase of, of my life. So my next chapter would be to, to be only this, to be only a mental health educator. I have already passed the role of the therapist and the therapeutic services to my colleagues, to my team. So I see myself being that, uh, doing, fulfilling that role in the future. And I applaud that because I think that we do need more people like you who, who've learned the ropes, who have seen this from every single angle and now to educate the masses. Like there's, like you were saying at the beginning, there's so much that you can do one-on-one, -on -one. but in a group format, in an online course format, you can reach so many more people. So that's amazing. And where do you see the world's next great chapter in your opinion? Oh, that's a good question. Um... So what I see at the moment is that the world is learning more and more about mental health. The generation of my parents, they had no clue about mental health. What's this? You know, <laughs> what are you talking about? They were just on the survival mode and they wanted to make sure that we have our basic needs met. Um, so now we're educating ourselves. So we are in the place of self-awareness. What I see now is that because of this self-awareness, we also fall in the trap of becoming entitled just because i understand myself i am entitled to be frustrated with the people that hurt me i'm entitled to set boundaries and push people away just because i now want to claim my own space what i see as the next chapter of, of our world is that we will have this self-awareness but we we will have overcome the place of um, entitlement and we will be in the place of authentic connection and kindness because this self-awareness will not make us more detached or uh, different, make us feel different than others, but they will make us feel very similar to others because we, we go through similar pains and struggles and mistakes and insecurities. So we would be able to be more kind to each other and more compassionate to each other because of this self-awareness. 
that's something that you also mentioned in another post. And I really love that you say, you know, you, you can tell that people therapy is working, not because they feel better about themselves, but they're still judging others, but because they're actually finding that compassion. And I think that that's so huge because, yeah, we once we start getting ourselves feeling like, oh, now I'm more empowered then we somehow start judging other people for not being that empowered and that healed. Yeah. And we have to keep on that continuum to the point where we're like, oh, I get it. Now I can't judge. I can only support. I love Exactly. That. I've been there where you are now and I'm going to meet you where you are. You don't need to be exactly similar with me. And even though I feel empowered in one area of my life, I also know that I'm working on other areas of my life and other stuff that I, I still I, I, I keep inside me in a very uh, infant uh, mode and I'm working on them. So it's not I'm good and you're bad. It's we're all good together and we're trying to learn ourselves and to learn each other every single day. Yeah, you probably know that sentence from Ram Das. We're all just walking each other home. We're all yeah. just finding the light at the end of the tunnel and going like, here, follow me. I, I, I think that I have the next two steps and then someone else has the next two steps. And that's how Great. we all get to it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Exactly that. Oh, my gosh, Vasha. It's been amazing having you here. Where can people find you? First of all, your Instagram page, which is so full. It's chock full of uh, amazing videos and resources. So where can they find you there? Antiloneliness. The Instagram page is called Antiloneliness and the same name for my website, antiloneliness.com. I'm also working on a new website that will host all this um, educational content, but that will be for the future. But for now, antiloneliness.com. And I will put everything on the show notes. And is there anything last minute um, wisdom that you want to share with everyone listening to us? Hmm. Last minute wisdom. <laughs> well, I think what people ask me when they are in this healing journey is and and they they are on this healing journey and they feel that they're getting better and then at some point they relapse or life you know is against struggling and challenging and then they come back and say but why is this happening i've worked with myself why i'm still struggling why i'm triggered what's happening with me so what i want to say is that when we are healing a sign that we are healing is that we can also accept the fact that some days are going to be difficult we are going also to accept that some days we're not going to perform in our best some days we're not going to be able to use all the tools that we learned and it's okay so this self-forgiving is part of the healing and this self-criticism why i'm going so slowly why i'm not moving faster why am i not done with my trauma healing etc this self-criticism is is a is a trap for our healing is is something that actually sabotages our healing so keep that in mind the more you judge yourself that belongs to your previous uh self the judging is not helpful when you are accepting and you're forgiving and you're creating space also for the not so good days that's healing amazing thank you so much vasha for all the work that you're doing and for spending this time with us today it's been amazing having you here thank you so much thank you and for everyone else i will see you next week 
Hey, if you're passionate about helping others move to the next chapter and want to join one of the fastest growing industries, I would like to invite you to my upcoming training to become a certified holistic divorce coach. Just head over to olganadal.com and click on the Holistic Divorce Institute tab. I can't wait to meet you inside the program.